0: In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be discussing the matches against Napoli and Spezia. We'll be previewing Hellas' game. We've got Patrick Kendrick with us. We'll be talking what we want Inter to do for Christmas. And this week's Moratti, Moji and Frog. And much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter. only on Benvenuti, bentornati, to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavalli-Ruzzari, wishing you welcome back from what has been a really good interweek. It's been six points uh, and very much in the Scudetto race. But before we get to all of that, let me introduce my panelists, starting with our good friend from Canada, producer over on TSN, Mr. Michael Gallo.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm uh, still having nightmares of Gattuso's glasses from a week ago, <laughs> but good uh, to be back with you guys. <laughs>
0: And we are also joined by our good friend, Mr. Fulvio Santucci. Are you still on uh, Il Nero e Lazzurro or, or Inter supporters? What, what,
2: what, what do you, it's, Let it, me know. It's actually, it's actually Inter supporters, man. Oh, it's uh, Inter supporters, now. So. Yeah. How are you? You you good? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. Good to be here. It's good to be here after the sixth, the sixth victory in a row. Uh, mm. It doesn't happen to me so 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 much because uh, normally <laughs> I'm here after a defeat, so it's it's fine, it's good. Life is good today. (laughs) Life is good today. And we're also
0: joined by our very good friend, Mr. William Beckman.
3: It's good, actually, that um, we got six points because this is our first part of the season. Or one of the first, I'd reckon, without without Mr. Positivity Mo here. So we don't yeah. actually need him for once. So we've benched <laughs> him. We've, we've got our <laughs> squad rotation just right for once. Exactly. When the, There's so much positivity going around yeah. so he could sit this one
0: out. Um. <laughs> we don't need artificially induced positivity this week. <laughs> we can be organic. Exactly. And we are also joined by a very good friend of the show. He's a he's A commentator for the World Feed. And he's uh, he's, uh, he's been also involved in a fake scandal known as hashtag Thumpgate, uh, <laughs> making his debut for the first time this season uh, on Studio Inc. So welcome, Mr. Patrick Kendrick.
4: I think I've played more minutes than Pinamonti now, haven't I? So uh, there you go. <laughs> good evening, gents. Great to be here as ever.
0: It's good to have you. Um, let's, uh, I mean, you did you did Inter Spezia uh, this weekend. And, and, I mean, after the first 45 minutes, I, I felt, I'm glad you got paid uh, for watching that because the rest of us kind of wish we had as well because it was absolutely horrible. But it kind of turned around in the second half. Um, I'm, I'm keen to hear what you think. Uh, about that game, uh, uh, generally now that you've had like one or two days to look to to think about it.
4: Well, I was very surprised by the Spezia team sheet. That was the first thing that struck me because um, they've always pretty much stayed true to the same eleven, and it's always this four-three-three system. We saw a load of players that. I mean, I'd done Spezia three or four times already this season, so I know the team quite well. And all these faces came in. Vignali, I think he played once. And Ismaili, the Albanian centre-back. And then there was a mora. And I just thought that Vincenzo Italiano was downing tools, to be honest, because their next game is against Genoa. It's a huge game for them. It's a derby. I apologise. Just going to premise this, I know this is an Inter podcast. This is the, this is the longest parenthesis to start my point. But essentially, <laughs> I, just, I expected Inter to have the game won by half-time. Although whilst I was prepping the game, I had obviously seen that there's just a ludicrous amount of goals scored after the 60th minute mark and Inter tend to finish matches strongly, I think more out of necessity than anything else. Um, so, yeah, that first half really caught me off guard, to be honest, because it was just turgid and it was tepid. Um, and it was something. Else. If anyone else can come up with an adjective beginning with you that would be great. But I think I've used up all my, <laughs> my iteration over the last few days. But now I was, I was really, I was really underwhelmed by it. And I thought, dear, deary me, because I spent, you know, the the first it. I used a lot of my prep in the first half, put it that way. There wasn't really much to say about what was going on on the pitch. And a lot of the narrative had obviously been Inter winning five in a row. They'd just won behind Milan, whittled down that five-point gap to just one. So you expected Inter to make a statement, put on a big performance. Lest we forget, Juve had won 4 nil the previous evening. And none of that came to pass. And so, you know, obviously, when you get to half-time, if you're an Inter fan watching that, you think, well, what's going to change the game here? Because it's not really like the substitutions have necessarily impacted the game as much as you would like. And you looked at the bench and you thought, well, this is crying out for some inspiration from somewhere. And I didn't necessarily expect it to be sensey, I have to say.
0: Mm. No, um, um, I I i completely agree with you. Um, but but then again, Stefano Sensi has been quite the has been the catalyst when coming off the bench a few times now. I'm going to hand you over to Will. Uh, Will, did you have a question? And more importantly, do you have an, another adjective to help Patrick out with?
3: Well, I kept repeating the word turgid myself this afternoon. when I was watching this game back, so I, I'm I can I can raise you a soporific, maybe. But um, you know, we're we're going to be.
1: Uh, I'll take it. I'll take yeah,
3: it. <laughs> any, of, any of the above. The, all the ones you said were fine. Um, I did lose concentration about four or five times in the first tedious. half. Tedious. And indeed the second half. Um, <laughs> there, was, there was one flash of loveliness when uh, in the 51st minute for the rest of it, it was sort of a a bit of a beige nothingness. But no, um, I was struck in the last two games, including the Napoli game in this as well, about the tiredness. I think that was the theme of the last two matches for me into looking very jaded, um, struggling to create, waiting for episodes as it were to, to score goals, and I think probably quite a lot of that is reflected in uh, the two strikers up front, Lukaku and Lautaro, who played pretty much every match this season. Um, and I'm just wondering, heading into the January transfer when obviously Sanchez and Pinamonti were both unavailable yesterday. We hope they'll be back. I mean, it doesn't matter when Pinamonti's back; he, he could be he could be the only striker of the club, and we still wouldn't play him. So, but I hope Sanchez <laughs> is back in um, in January. I just want, do you think? If if a striker is not signed in the, the January transfer window and obviously the, 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 the budget for January is by no means infinite, do you think that could be a deal breaker for Inter and this uh, Scudetto chase? Because it does look already as if uh, there's some tired legs and, and we saw that towards the end of last season as well.
4: It could well be because it seems to be a deal breaker for him playing that at least two up front, you know, even if He's changed the system slightly, dispensing with the with the trequartista. It does seem to be that he wants to play Lukaku and Lautaro every week. And then, obviously, he was using Alexis Sanchez quite quite well, I thought. Um, but, you know, you can't really rely on his fitness. So if you're just having three strikers, like you said, and Pinamonti it's such a shame because he's, he's shown promise when he has played. More more so, obviously, at, at Frosinone and then Genoa last season. I just think, um, rather than bringing Pinamonti back, but I, I guess there were probably some European squad list implications with them doing that. But you just look at Scamacca, and I just think he's wasted at Genoa, and you think, well, if he's not going to play at Sassuolo, that would have been the sort of per- perfect sort of player to bring in to Inter. So I, I am concerned about that, if I'm honest, because I think that Inter squad is pretty deep. There's two players per position, but then you look at the, the front two, and, um, and Lukaku Touchwood hasn't really had too much of a sort of extended run out of the team with injury. He's, you know, he's been playing, I think I saw a graphic on um, on social media today. He's one of like the top 10 players across Europe or something in terms of minutes for this calendar year. I think that probably includes international duty as well. And obviously Inter had that long run to the Europa League final, so that probably plays a part. But yeah, you, you're, you're sort of crossing your fingers and hoping that the two of them stay fit. And I thought Lautaro in particular, apart from that ball into Hakimi's, I thought he was fairly off colour as well. So you you do start to wonder because they seem to be the main sources of goals as well, you know, beyond Hakimi, who's now got four. So the short answer is it is a concern and they do need to bring someone in. But who do you get? Do you bring back Goran Pandev? No, Graziano (laughs) Pelle
0: enters the chat. (laughs) <laughs> Graziano Pelle enters the chat or is added by Antonio Conte, is what I would say to that. That's apparently something that could happen in 2020. And it is completely in line with the Arturo Vidal and Alexander Kolarov signings, if you ask me. But um and then also given the financial situation, uh he he coming on a free transfer because uh, his contract expires in China. Uh, so and we know how much he likes uh, how Antonio Conte and Graziano Pelle get along. So We'll, um, we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, Full view. Did you have a question for Patrick?
2: Yeah, yeah, Patrick. Hello. Um, so you know very well the fan base, like me, and uh, you know that at some point of uh, every season uh, there will be, or there has been, or there will be a bit of buzzing about uh, about uh, Brozovic and uh, and his performance. Um, so I have the impression, and I want to share with you this to to understand your opinion that I have the impression that. Uh, the Inter's offensive play depends a lot uh, from the, from the perf- performances of uh, Marcelo Brozovic. If Brozovic is, a, is in a good mood and a good shape, uh, Inter is an acceptable um, offensive play, efficient. Um, probably not perfect, but still efficient. Uh, while uh, when Brozovic is uh, in a bad day, in a bad mood, in a bad shape, uh, uh, basically the style of play of Inter is uh, rubbish. Um, so uh, I want to accelerate the process because uh, I know for sure that... Uh, at some point, uh, we're gonna talk about about Brozovic. I think, and uh, I have the suspect that uh, uh, in some way, it's still uh, uh, it's still a, a key player for this team, and should not be like that. Because uh, my opinion uh, is not uh, consistent enough to uh, to be the key player of a team that wants to lift trophies. Um, so, uh, if you if you uh, picture the Inter of next season, is Marcel Brozovic there, or do you think that? Uh, removing brozovic and adding another key player in the same um, in the same uh, uh, zone of the pitch could be beneficial for the for the interstyle play what do you think about
4: i'm a big fan of Barcelona brozovic i'm i'm sorry to say i think that was um probably spalletti's Two greatest legacies to the current team and the current coach were, you know, putting Brozovic in that deep-lying playmaker role because before that he'd been so sort of, you know, no one really knew where to put him. Um, and then that was a sort of situation that we revisited with Joao Mario, and that never was really resolved. Whereas Brozovic was put in front of the back four, and he just became this brilliant deep-lying playmaker and almost a magnet for the ball. I remember that, you know, into it occasionally looked like being caught out in transition and somehow he would have already sprinted to where the ball was going to be. It's a similar sort of knack to good strike that good strikers have when they sort of drift into the right area of the, of the box and the ball just seems to travel all the way to them. They read the trajectory and they score or, or what, what have you. So he seems to have really good attributes in terms of anticipation. I think he can pick a pass. I do think he can set the tempo, but yeah, I think, he probably has suffered as well with the slight chopping and changing. Um, Barrella's brilliant, and Barrella's all action, and he doesn't really... I think the one area where Baredla probably falls down is his positional sense, because he just wants to do any, everything, and he can do everything. So I don't really... In some ways, Brozovic probably benefits more from playing alongside someone like Gagliardini, who's very much... You know, on on rails, just goes up and down and uh, and side to side, and and there's not really much more to it than that. Um, I can see the point you're making in terms of consistency. If you are to win trophies, especially Cediya, you need someone in a key position like that to play well week in, week out. And occasionally, that's that's probably been the only area where his game's fallen down. You know, he can he can go missing. Um, but if you're bringing in someone else into that position, you then need to anticipate the fact that unless you're bringing someone in um, domestically then they're going to take a while to settle in and even if you do bring them in from another Serie A club they still have to get used to the unique environment that is Inter I think we're all familiar with what that entails (laughs) yeah Um,
2: yeah, definitely are
4: (laughs) so I would think if you are to do that then there might be a case of signing someone in January, but this is where Nima's going to cut me off and say, there's no scope to sign anyone in January. There's no money. There's no money. No but dinero. If, no if, dinero. Exactly. If in a, in a, uh, in a wonderful, <laughs> magical world where the checkbook was opened, it would be a good time to bring someone in now um, and, and sort of have Brozovic hold their hand and, and gradually introduce them to the team there. Um, but you'd need it to be someone the right age as well. I mean, there's a lot being said about this Niccolò Rovella of Genoa. But, I mean, he's, a, he's 19, I think. So, I mean, someone like that is, or he might even be a 2002. I, I can't recall. But um, about Locatelli? I mean, I, I think he'd be perfect. Yeah, but I think it'll cost you fifty million. That's the problem.
0: But you said the perfect world, in the in a perfect world. Oh, okay, we're done on that. Then yeah, <laughs> then uh,
4: I bow down to your uh, to your suggestion. Bring him in and rile the Milanisti at the same time. Double whammy. <laughs> um,
0: no, but seriously, I mean there there is there is an issue there because of COVID and also because of the restrictions put in by the Chinese government about the export of capital from China. Suning's hands are tied. They can't do more than they've done, um, and. You know, with with Rajanayagulan, the situation being as it is there, Matias Vecino, etc., Inter need to focus on shif- sh- shifting players out, but at the same time, they have a pressing need for a left wing back um, and, and a sec and a backup striker, and as you said, a midfielder long term. Uh, which is kind of why i don't think Inter will win the Scudetto, because there are too many question marks around this team um, I'm keen to hear before i before I pass you over to Mike where do you think Inter will end up because of all these question marks that 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 exist
4: second I think it's going to be the same top two as last season <laughs> although if if i'm honest if i'm honest um i I feel like inter's second place finish last season was slightly mm. misleading and and that final table is really weird. it reminds me of because obviously Juventus had the league sewn up with two games to go. It reminds me of many years ago. I don't know if it was... It might have been 97-98 or it might have been 2002. Someone with better knowledge of the Premier League would know better than me. But I seem to recall Arsenal losing their last three games and United finishing a point behind them. It was when, when Wenger was at his uh, at his peak. And it's sort of one of those. It's like you, you can almost expect a team when they've won the league to just completely change the team. And then, you know, because... And then, obviously... It's the media trying to fuel talk of a a lengthy title race. But, you know, over the summer, you're reading about 82 points and Inter's best season, such you know, it's all true. It's objective data. Um, And I think that probably Inter may have in some ways benefited from that Europa League campaign coming after the end of Serie A, if that makes sense. I almost feel like they played themselves into form with those Serie A games and they almost had more riding on the league matches with the idea that then they were going to go on and play competitive action going for a trophy. And I think that's why they went all the way to the final. So there are positives. I just think Juventus are... I mean, has come in. It's taken him a while. He's changed the system a little bit. And yet they're still unbeaten. I don't think the Napoli game will be replayed. So they've won that one. Uh, and had they played at that time, I mean, it's a Napoli side slightly in disarray now not to take anything away from Inter's achievement of beating them on Wednesday. Um, so I think... It might be the top two, but I don't see Milan staying the course. And I think the others are just too inconsistent. I think in terms of, let's be honest, Conte is is very good at getting results, whether you like it or not, his style of play and how he goes about it. But I think that Inter's benchmark with Conte will always be 80 plus points. I think they'll get that again this season. And I think that Juventus will inevitably go on to win 10 in a row I could be wrong and I think for the benefit of the league and for those of us you know paid to pay to cover it it would be fantastic to see someone else win it Um, because whilst I've been working on Serie A I've only ever known Juventus as champion so I think second is probably the ceiling Um, and I think my notion of that is reinforced after seeing yesterday's game as well Um, I'm sorry to say Mm, I'm, exactly. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't. I can't put Inter as uh, as, as title favourites. There. I'm no, I'm not saying I, they won't challenge. I just <laughs> I think they'll come up short.
0: I mean, you know what I think. I I think Inter's goal is top four this season. This is still my this is still my vision. So I think two. I'd take a second place in a heartbeat. Uh, Mike, did you have a question for Patrick?
1: Yeah, Patrick, I got two questions for you. Um, most importantly. Uh, on a Monday night in Milan, which is, I believe, is where you are. Uh, what's your beverage of choice while doing an inter podcast? <laughs> That's
4: a great question <laughs> to start. Mike. I'm actually drinking uh, Ignusa, Anima Sarda, but not the uh, not the uh, the non-filtered version. I assume this is this is filtered. Uh, yeah, because it's very in vogue at the moment. This Ignusa Non Filtrata, and uh, <laughs> I find it just a little bit too bitter for my taste. So I've, uh, I've got a nice Ignusa with the four mores, Um so you know Barella Sal, teola, and whoever the other one is, I can't even think uh, <laughs> not biko janis he's a he's an honorary sal uh, an honorary uh, sardo rather, but uh, there mm. you go um so there iknuza is um. Yeah, I, I drained all the Moretti. To be fair, so I was <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that
1: was, that's what I was open for. Um, so uh, my question, my actual question for you is, uh, I like to focus on you know referee decisions. I'm a former referee, and um, oh, okay. and in and in this game, uh, I thought Inter dodged a, a bullet early in the fr- or late in the first half when Brozovic was already mm. on a yellow, and he got away with a pretty reckless challenge that could have seen him sent off. What do you? What do you think should should he have been t- sent off for that challenge uh, in the Spezia game? I thought possibly I think he was saved slightly by the fact that um, it was
4: it was Spezia's last man I seem to recall you know he was trying to win the ball high up the pitch so it was it was Spezia's central defender if I'm not mistaken and Brozovic was leading the press. So I think that's probably the only thing that saved him. But it's funny you mentioned that because when I'm commentating, I always take notes of what's going on and yellow cards and all that sort of thing. And I did uh, Roma Sassuolo a few weeks ago. And uh, Pedro got booked very early on. He kicked Berardi in the throat. I don't know if any of you saw the game or remember that. Um, that was the first challenge very early on. And then uh, Maxime Lopez was was leading a counter for Sassuolo. And I just instinctively said, uh, Pedro put his arm on his shoulder. And I said, oh, Pedro, happy to take the yellow card with a tactical foul. And then I immediately realized, I said... Of course he's not. He's already been booked. So uh, that was uh, probably shouldn't be uh, broadcasting my mistakes on this podcast. But there you go. So all that is to say that my ear was very um, my eye was very attuned to that because then funnily enough, I had another one this week with um, with young Wilfrid Sango um, of Torino, who got sent off after about 19 minutes, I think 14 minutes against against Roma. So I thought, bloody hell, this keeps happening. This is going to be three matches I've done and there's going to be three separate sendings off for two yellow cards in the first half, which is, let's be honest, it's fairly rare. Um, rare. Do I think it was a second booking? I think the foul probably warranted a yellow card in isolation. Um, But I think possibly because Inter were playing at home, one. Who was it? Michael Fabri, I think it was, wasn't it? Mm, Um, And possibly because of where it was on the pitch. And I think it was on Claudio Terzi. I don't think he made too much of it. Um, oh, I,
1: seem to, yeah, I seem
4: to recall Vincenzo Italiano making more of it from the technical area. But that's where that's where Spezia were a bit naive, if you ask me. Now, this is going to sound really cynical and I probably shouldn't be promoting this. But if you're a Spezia <laughs> fan, you want to see three or four of your players immediately running over, hounding the referee, being like, what on earth is going on? And then maybe maybe you can just influence him if you get there in time in that split second of doubt, and then he goes, actually, you know, that is a second yellow card. I'm going to send you off. But as I said, Terzi didn't make a lot of it. If you contrast that to, um, or if you compare it rather to what um, Spinazzola did, you know, jumped up in the air and wailed. um, And then, you know, Sangor got sent off for for Torino. And the the Pedro one was just not even debatable at all. You know, he's just a cynical foul from behind to stop a counterattack. So um, a weird spate of those. And I think Inter probably did... Uh, get a bit lucky but in some ways i feel like that would have probably focused the mind and forced the issue sometimes it can be counterintuitive with a big team goes down to 10 and it's just like right let's let's just sort this out this is a show of character and it like the novelty game on wednesday exactly yeah so we'll never know but i i do think that was he was yeah it was slightly the sort of Brozovic of old the um you know losing his head a little bit and i thought why has he gone in there there's no need to be so over eager
0: Mm. no i thought i agree with you and i, I remember tweeting to someone I was like he's so getting sent off in the second half because of this um but luckily he wasn't um but if we if we zoom out a little bit um and look at the entire season in the city i mean, you already said you're top two who do you think is going to finish third fourth fifth and sixth
4: oh wow you've put me on the spot here mm. um i was quite enjoying roma uh, mm. Before that capitulation in Bergamo yesterday, um, <laughs> so it's very hard to know. I don't, I don't like Lazio. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, I'm not a huge fan, and that's going to hurt you, Nima, because I know you're. Yeah simon inzaghi fan
0: i love him love uh, him love him oh <laughs> him. no <laughs> yeah I, simone simone for me it's oh I love, I love will's
4: withering withering <laughs> comments like that just oh no that's great um
3: i just think he was be... linked to us wasn't he early this week he was, yes, he was yeah, and that bit. made me really happy that made me really really happy because... i tweeted during the week if we get him i'm going over to cover curling for the rest
4: of i <laughs> Come on Oh. It's a bit one-dimensional for my liking, but there you go. I think I think they're often bailed out by their big players. A at the back, and then Luis Alberto in midfield, and he mobbed it up front. To be honest, and uh, anyway, um, Atalanta look good, but it's whether they can sustain that. I expect they probably will once they've got all this soap opera out the way. But Gasperini's flexing his muscles, and true, you know, Italy. I don't know if you you guys remember the whole period of whenever a managers a manager threatened to stay at a big club for more than two or three years and was and was winning trophies it was oh they found their ferguson and they seem to have stopped oh doing God. it now but i actually think gasperini is the closest thing we have to ferguson in italy to be honest so i'm not surprised that you know he's just he's just forcing out alejandro gomez in the style of beckham or stam or whoever you want to you want <laughs> all, all that basically so i think i think atalanta will come in the top four i don't know if it'll be third or fourth just because I think they've got a lot of quality in the team, so that leaves me with one, and um, Milan, Roma. Napoli. It's going well, It's going to have to be Milan, isn't it? I'd almost forgotten yeah. about them. There, <laughs> I was going to say my heart says Napoli, but uh, yeah, it's Milan. It's Milan, I think, because of the way they've started, and I think they'll they probably, I think they'll avoid defeat against Lazio. Um, and then you get to the Juve game, which I think is on Epiphany, so they'll have another game before that. Benevento away if memory serves. Um, And I just think it's one of those where Milan have gone so long unbeaten that they've just built up a bit of a cushion and and then you start to look... I mean, they won't be looking there already, but if you're a Milan fan and you think, I want to get back in the Champions League, you're already looking at the cushion between where you are now and fourth place and it's starting Mm. to open up a bit, especially with with Napoli and Roma both dropping points. You know, those results really worked out in Milan's favour. So I think those are probably... I think the top three at the moment will definitely be those three. And then it's between probably Napoli and Atalanta. Uh, and you wanted sixth as well, didn't you? So I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to go Ju- uh, Juventus, Inter, Milan, Atalanta, Napoli, Roma.
0: Mm. It is going to be a top. I mean, this year is going to be really, really tight in the top six. We know that because it's, it's both in terms of transition and and, 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 and everything else surrounding it. It's, it does feel like it's more going to be tighter than it's ever been. For those top six positions. Um, who do you think? Do you think Ronaldo is going to become capocannoniere, Or do you think it's Ibra or Lukaku?
4: I don't think it's Ibra. I don't think he can stay fit enough. Uh, unfortunately, again, Nima, just dagger after dagger to your heart tonight, isn't it? <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> he doesn't need to play 38 games. He plays six, scores 10. If he He's continues a lion. Like that. He's
4: a lion, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, if he only <laughs> needs to
0: play 20 games, he scores like 60 goals. And if he, if he continues like this.
4: True. true. Um, That's the sort of analysis that a a nine-year-old makes when they've just watched their first football (laughs) match. It's like, oh, Atalanta beat us 4-0, but then Atalanta lost 6-0 to Benevento, so we'll beat Benevento 10-0, do you know what I mean, or whatever it is. I think I've done the maths all wrong on that, so um, maybe edit that out of the final. No, no, no,
1: no, we can't.
4: Uh, (laughs) I think... I think Ronaldo will, to be honest, because he just looks so hungry for it and um, probably a bit slighted. This is this is season three. So I think, you know, all right, you could you can legislate for Immobile scoring 36 goals and winning, you know, especially when I think he got 31. Did he get 31? Maybe more than that. Um, But it's harder to make a case for being outscored by Quagliarella, I think, which it was in his first year, wasn't it? It was 26. I seem to recall. Um, and Quagliarella's is older than Ronaldo as well. Quagliarella's is an 83, Ronaldo's is an 85. So uh, I think he's, he's determined to prove a point with that. And I think he wants to, uh, and the way he's going as well. I mean, that's 12, 12 goals already now. It's, it's a really anomalous year with that. Mm. It feels like we've gone completely the other way in Serie A where it used to be if you score 20 goals you're doing well in the Italian top flight now it's just players are scoring a goal a game if not more than that and it's um, um I think it possibly speaks to a the slightly diminished quality of the league with some of the sides in the bottom half mm. and b it's clearly symptomatic of this um, spate of penalties that we're getting um, I mean, there's just there's just so many, really. So I think that Ronaldo will will probably edge out Lukaku. But I could see Lukaku getting closer to uh, to thirty this year. This year.
0: So uh, before we let you go, uh, Coppa Italia. How do you think that's going to end? Do
4: you well, think Inter will win a title this got year? A real soft spot for the Coppa Italia. Um, do I think Inter will win the Coppa Italia? I'm not sure they will. I just. There's, there's something not quite right about Inter in the Coppa Italia. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, you know that 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 weird exit to Lazio on penalties, uh, mm. then losing to Napoli. I I have no idea how Inter went out to Napoli in that second leg. I have no idea. That was ludicrously <laughs> one-sided. I seem to recall Meret making about four or five unbelievable saves. And then... No, it wasn't Meret. It was Ospina. It was the game
0: he made of his a, life. He made a
4: howler on the yeah. corner. He, he threw yeah. that Ericsson corner into his net. That's right. And he was picked because of his feet. And then he was justified because he pinged one out to Insigne, who, who rolled it to Mertens. That's right. So... But he made some unbelievable saves, having started yeah. with a howler. And Napoli were better in the first leg. I did the first leg. Fabian Ruiz scored that great goal. Um, but the second leg, I just thought Inter are going to win this four or five one, and I could not believe that they uh, that they didn't. To be honest, so yeah. and and they even went out on aggregate. I thought well, at least they'll you know uh, two one, you know maybe mm. they'll uh, you know and um they, you know they might go through on uh, on away goals. But they just couldn't couldn't score again. Um, so I, I could be wrong. The Coppa Italia I find is is the hardest competition to call because they'll all come in at the round of sixteen. They'll all play slightly weakened teams. Inter away at Fiorentina, um, which is probably one of the best ties they could have got, given how bad Fiorentina are and where they are in the league, really. Mm. Um, And if I'm not mistaken, that's on the 13th and we've got games on the 3rd, the 6th and the 10th of January. So it's going to be all go in the new year, which makes me think that uh, they'll both play weakened teams and... The the only chance Fiorentina had in that game was playing a strong team against Inter's weakened team, and um, it's it's hard to know because Juventus normally breeze through the first couple of rounds, and then suddenly they're in the semi-finals. And once they get into the semi-finals, they just tend to focus on winning the competition. But I mean, it'd be nice to see someone else win it again. Um, so you know, Lazio, Lazio a couple of years ago. And then Napoli last year. We had Juventus the, the year prior to that. It would be great if this competition starts to be. But I think again, that's an indication um, of the fact that teams are taking it a lot more seriously now. It, mm. For me, it was ludicrous that Juventus went twenty years without winning a Coppa Italia, and then they sort of made up for lost time. And all of the other clubs. You just think this is. I remember it's one of my favourite. Um, it's one of my favourite quotes, actually. Well, first of all, I'm going to quote a really. Um, <laughs> niche golfing rom-com which if you haven't seen you must watch it even if you don't like golf it's called tin cup with um oh, my God. oh yeah, yeah yeah with kevin costner and renee russo uh, cheech marin and uh, don johnson don johnson as well he plays the bad guy um tin cup and um and roy tin cup mcavoy who's the uh who's the journeyman the journeyman uh, club golf pro who lives in a Winnebago. He actually says he he decides to qualify for the u s. Open. And when they say he's mad, he's like, no, this is the u s. opens not only the greatest golf tournament in the world, it's the most democratic, right? which contrasts with what um, Maurizio Sarri said when he was Empoli coach at that time. It was back when, I and mean, then they've they phased it out gradually, thank God. But Sarri was absolutely raging in a press conference once because he said, The Coppa Italia is the least democratic football (laughs) tournament in the world. Not even in South America do you see something so ridiculous, which was sort of slight thinly veiled racism, I thought as well, which is quite (laughs) or at least discrimination. And then um, he went on to actually argue his point, which is quite true. He said, you are seeded based on your results in the previous season for a completely separate competition. You know, the top eight from Serie A being seeded for the Coppa Italia going straight into the last 16 um, in the new year is is bizarre. It's a bizarre notion. And up until, uh, until a couple of years ago, when they're now making draws for who plays at home, but again, six or seven ties out of eight are always the big team, the seeded team playing at home. I don't really know how that works. God, I'm going to get sacked with all of these uh, revelations. <laughs> <laughs> God, I literally... They, did two that, th- they did Two sips of loser, and I'm anyone's ones. Anyway, sorry. Yeah.
3: They did sorry. that draw and of the of the eight-seeded teams, Inter were the only team that got switched to play away from home. All the other of big course, teams were at home. Of course, it had to be. So, obviously, yeah.
4: <laughs> because they have no strong presence in the Lega culture. Yes. Yes. Why? That's yeah. why. We're, we're not
1: Exactly.
4: But just to finish that. So, so um, Sarri was saying, was saying exactly that. Um, so, given all of that, I don't understand why the top eight from the previous year and not just thinking let's win the Coppa Italia. We can go through in the last 16, invariably we're going to be playing at home. Then we have to win a quarter final. Then we have a two-legged semi and a final that we might be able to win on penalties. You know, that the, the final was a bizarre game last year. And, you know, mm. no one remembers that it was a, is a pretty terrible game. Milik scores, scores the winning penalty. I think um, Meretze from DiBala. And um, and that's job done, really. So I think it's there for the taking. I think Inter should be going all out to win that. I see, especially now with no European football, just play your strongest team. Play mm. your strongest team and go and win that competition. Get it out the way. Get rid of the bloody 10 years of mm. not winning a trophy because lest we forget in May, it's going to be exactly 10 years since that, yeah. that win over Palermo in the Coppa Italia. Nice bit of symmetry. All right, we had a decade with no silverware, but we've got rid of that. And then suddenly, you know, all those Twitter accounts with X number of days since Inter won a trophy, that goes back to zero. And it's, it's quite nice. Wipe the slate clean, as mm. we will in 2021. And mm. I'm going to sign off with that. <laughs>
0: Sounds good. Thank you so much, Patrick. It My was pleasure. Great to have you. Always, always. Um, and if people want to follow you on Twitter, um, we've got something coming on because you're doing a bit of work for, is it BT Sport or who is it?
4: Uh I have been, but I'm not sure if I'll be uh I'll be there for the uh for the knockout rounds. But yeah, I, I did a few games reporting for BT for uh, for their Champions League coverage. The benefits of living in Italy and not being uh restricted <laughs> with a travel corridor. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> my my main uh my main um strength, shall we say, were my the, the logistical ease with which I could uh move around Europe as opposed to any sort of uh <laughs> any journalistic uh, talents <laughs> so <there we> go. <laughs> on that Michelle?
0: <laughs> oh dear thank you so
4: much merry christmas patrick, and happy new year cheers gents all the best take
0: care Bye. take care thank you so much that was patrick kendrick our good friend um uh, uh, who you 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 can listen to? He he does the serie A, and he's probably. I mean, we 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 we've had quite a few of uh, the commentators on. They're all good, but I I really think Patrick's one of the best um uh, out there, uh, regardless of which league you support. Let's uh, focus a little bit on the Napoli game, and I want to hear I want to hear your uh, thoughts on this Fulvio, because to me, I've I've been saying this for a couple of weeks, and I think it started against Sassuolo, and I think we see it now more and more. The Inter under Conte have become some sort of what if you remember andrea Stramaccioni's, uh, when he was really upset that they said the interplay provincial interplay provincial with with antonio conte i don't personally have a problem with it because I don't think are going to win the scudetto for me it's top four, but against napoli when you're ten when you're a goal up and you're down to and and your opponent is down to ten men and you play a five four one if that's not provincial, what is
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, the... The whole game was provincial, to be honest, because uh, also Napoli uh, came uh, came here with a with a provincial attitude, despite uh, um, despite uh, being uh, with a with a lineup that uh, could look like differently. But uh, the reality is that uh, they put uh, a double defensive midfielder just uh, just uh, steps ahead of the defense. I'm talking about Diego Demme and Bakayoko. Um, so basically, that was a start game for uh, for both for both teams. Who knows uh, what could happen with uh, Dries Martins uh, in the in the pitch for ninety minutes? We never know about that. But uh, basically, the match was like that. I'm pretty sure that counter prepared the match like that um, in order to in order to to block the the Napoli uh, the Napoli uh, kind of attack. I think that uh, we now can consider that uh, leave the um, leave the, the ball to the to the contenders. Uh, um, I mean, not not in the not in the area, of course, not in our area, but in the in the midfield is a is, is a is a precise choice because we see also against Spezia yesterday. Basically, Spezia made a lot of uh, uh, made a lot of uh, uh, less a lot of time with the ball uh, in the um, in the feet. Uh, so it's a, it's a precise choice, um, and I mean uh, it could have, it could have worked because Inter never suffered until uh, until mm, until he find the, uh, the goal um, with Lukaku, uh, and after that what happened? I think that uh, the um, I think that Conte is responsible with that, and I think that uh, the, the team uh, misled probably what Conte had in mind um because uh, basically they went uh, down on the field of uh, 10 15 meters uh in the last uh, in the last 15 minutes and they are not used to play like this not anymore and uh, they panic uh for this uh for this reason because uh they basically lost uh, uh they basically lost the, the direction of uh, of what they they needed to do i mean the content is responsible uh, yes but uh, uh i'm pretty sure that uh, the basic idea was to uh, Utilize Lukaku to just uh, keep the ball. Uh, um, I mean, uh, in the in the in the Napoli side of the field. Uh, but uh, the thing is that Lukaku was uh, basically uh, basically run out of uh, of gasoline and uh, did not do this kind of work. And uh, I mean, probably if we if Conte have had uh, another striker, a physical striker like like Lukaku, he probably. Went with a different substitution, but uh, was not like that. Of course, uh, that could be worse, and of course uh, that that could have been a a, a huge mistake. But uh, at the end of, at the end of the day, I think that um, I think that uh, Inter, if you if we see the perspective of the season, Inter struggled uh, on the defense like one month one month and a half ago, uh, struggled on the defense and uh, did not have any uh, any problem to to score goals. Um, I uh, with uh, against Napoli, we see the complete opposite. Inter uh, did very well on the defense until uh, until the uh, until the goal that uh, until the Lukaku's goal, of course. So basically three uh, three fourths of the game, and um, did not basically do anything to score goals. So that's uh, uh, that's that's uh, quite the opposite problem um, now. But uh, uh, anyway, I think. Uh, I think that um, I think that uh, uh, the the matches show two things um, and uh, the, the mm, two lacks. To be honest, two lacks that this team had: missing players because Sensi was a game changer, basically. Right? Uh, the game plan of Napoli was uh, uh, to send Inter on the side and uh, basically the 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 play was that when when it was on the side, and uh, Gattuso was successful in this. But uh, when uh, Conte, um, when Brozovic went out and Sensi came in, um, so it was like sixty of the game, um, basically the first time that uh, Sensi went into a central aisle, let's, uh, let's call it like that, uh, Darmian um, found the fall, found the penalty. And so that was a proof that Sensi is a game changer. When it's Sensi and uh, that kind of player can really can really turn upside down this, uh, this team. And the second evidence for me was that uh, you cannot avoid, not anymore, a striker in January. Because, uh, as I said at the beginning of this, uh, of this opinion, uh, if Conte has had uh, a striker um, available in the bench, he could have lined uh, that, that striker and replacing Lukaku instead of uh, a uh, Kimi Lautaro uh, substitution. I'm pretty convinced about that.
0: Graziano Pelle. <laughs> that's the answer.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's something. I, I, you know, you know, when you talk about Conte, you always have the same name. Like, uh, it's, it's not Giaccherini, because basically Giaccherini is, is, is retired, <laughs> right? But uh, it's, only, it's only the same name with Conte. It was Moses, and actually, we, we, we came out with Moses last year. It was mm. Moses, uh, <laughs> and it was Pelé, and yeah, let's see. But, but not Pelé, of course, but uh, the physical shape of the striker could look like that, uh, and I think Inter cannot avoid anymore to to, uh, to to have a to have a striker like that because uh, you know when you have Lukaku, you play on Lukaku. When you are out of uh, other ideas, and uh, if you have another another kind of player like that, probably it's not Lukaku. Probably it's not it's not the same strength. But you can continue trying to play like that, and uh, you know. Be, be a little, a little more, be a little more, have a little more depth into the, into the, the striker department. Mm.
0: No, I agree. I mean, it's no doubt. I, mean, jo- like, I mean, we joke about Graziano Pelle because it's Antonio Conte <laughs> and, and all that. But you, intervene I was, I, I, I was a big
2: fan of Olivier Giroud last January. I don't know if I say I, also years to do Inter, but I yeah. say if we do, if we don't, if we, if we don't take Giroud now, we're gonna regret it for at least mm. one year. And that's exactly what
0: happened. Absolutely, and I agree with that. I agree with. That. I think Giroud would have would have been um, would have been excellent at that time, uh, but instead they decided to go with Christian Eriksen, and everything turned out brilliantly, and everyone was yeah. happy, and it was a success. Um, so, <laughs> so what what can we say? No, but seriously, um, uh, Will, I want to hear your thoughts on the Napoli game because, to me, I I I think Inter were. To me, this is why Inter won't be win the Scudetto. I'm exactly this because you cannot build a team that wins a title on luck and inter were lucky at the end against uh, against napoli and i know we have we've gone about 40 minutes into this pod about without mentioning the magic of samir handanovic those two saves was peak handanovic at his best uh, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts
3: yeah i thought the one in on in senior was incredible um those sort of uh gave him give us a Another example of his incredible cat-like reflexes that um, we we sort of had left behind two or three years ago. Um, obviously, in previous episodes, I think we were talking a lot about his his uh, reluctance to dive for shots. And with both of these saves that, that he had at the end of the Napoli game, he didn't have to move. They were pretty much straight at him. He just had to react. Um, and he did both of those saves really well. I think one of them, there was a foul in the build-up for one of them that I think... Um, that should have been called. But anyway, yeah, he was he was decisive in that game. Handanovic is an inter player. Um, sometimes you have to rely on your keeper. Um, so you know that isn't luck. But yes, overall, I think if you if you replay that game several times, uh, we probably won't win it. Uh, Mertens went off right at the start. They had to bring on Pitania instead, who's absolutely not uh, Dries Mertens. Uh, his senior <laughs> had his had his Wafa moment with um, with the referee and got sent off. Um, you know there was a post. You know it it was. If into if that's what we are at our maximum, then yes, we will not win the league. You you got you 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 can't win that game very often in a season. Um, but you know, uh, firstly, i just before I forget, I, I did say this would be a terrible match last week. So I'd like to just dig, dig up my own prediction because you, <laughs> we we were talking about this last week. I said it was going to be defensive and horrible, and it was. It was it was awful for an hour, and without that penalty, it was a nil nil. It was the most. It was the nil nilliest of nil nils that was. That was ruined by a penalty, but um, yeah, we were lucky to win that game, and um, you know, it's it's not something that you can build on. But look, these are this, it, you know, if you t- if you look at the bigger picture, these are six wins in a row, um, six wins in a row where you've finally found some defensive solidity. You know, you can win one or two games because of luck, but six in a row is not a coincidence. So I definitely think that. Um, there is a chance still that we win this league. I'm not sure we're the favourites, but you know, I, I I'm fairly encouraged about the direction the team is going in. I think Conte, it's not while well, it's not great football, he's gone back to doing what he knows best. And you know, if he's gonna fail, he's gonna fail with his own ideas, and that's more reassuring, I think, for, for me, as opposed to the, you know if you compare it to the the strange sort of hybrid um, attacking styles, weirdness that we had at the start of the season. I feel more comfortable watching this team now despite the fact that it's pretty turgid. Um and, yeah, feeling feeling reasonably confident overall, I, I must say, I, despite acknowledging that that was, you know, if there was a team that, that they needed to win that match, it was probably Napoli. But they didn't. You know, we've had games this year where we probably deserve to win and we haven't. So mm. it was the other way around for once. So for fine. Sure. For sure.
0: Uh, Mike, uh, any closing uh, arguments on the Napoli game?
1: Yes, closing arguments is, is the way I'm going to put it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, uh, Inter were lucky. They, they shouldn't have... They shouldn't have had three points in this game. There was absolutely zero reason why they should have had three points in this game. Uh, and, you know, they are very fortunate with, the, with, with, Will mentioned with Mertens going off early, like not just early, but he was off in the first like 10 minutes. And that changed, that changed a lot of I mean, when you've got your, your leading, you know, your top, your top striker go out and you're going to replace him with Patanya. Like everything's going to change. Um, but so, I don't even know so how, like they were the better team in this game, even when they went down to 10 men, like e- even after Insigne got sent off, which I, which I was trying to figure out what he got sent off for. I know it was obviously abusive language towards the official. I think Gattuso said afterwards, he said something that he told, he told the ref to F off or something yeah. and he was complaining and he had some comments about, about if you say that in Scotland, it's not a, it's not a problem, <laughs> but for some reason in Italy it is. Um, I, I found that it was really funny in the comments, but anyways, uh, like Inter were very lucky. Uh, if hand didn't make those, I think it was two or three big saves. He, that really, that nice one on Politano as well. That was really nice. Um, like they just, they had no business winning this game. Like even Patan Patania of all people, he, he should have scored in the 92nd minute. Uh, they were not the better team. They, they were lucky to, they would have been lucky to get a draw at that point, but, mm. um, you know, we've 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 been critical with Handanovic over the years, and he got into three points today, and it was because of him. If it wasn't for him, they would have not got three points. Those were some great saves, and we're very fortunate. And, you know, Darmian made a nice play on the penalty, I thought. A uh, very smart play to go in, and kind of knew Aspina was going to have to make a play on him and uh darman's been you know very well he's been a great player the last you know month and a half i know he made a mistake kind of in the the spezia game at the very end when he came on but uh look inter were very lucky and uh this is one that you take the three points and you run you run fast amen couldn't agree more
3: it was it was very reminiscent i thought of the the well, it's one of those games we had a lot with Mancini in his second season when we were top at Christmas without having ever played well, where Handanovic was was in Spider Man mode and we, we scored with our only shot on goal and nobody could really understand why we were top of the league. The, the last two games actually were pretty, pretty similar <laughs> to that, although I think this team has got a bit more quality. Yeah, it's back, sure, back to but, that kind of
2: pattern. May I make a point here? Because go for I it, think go for it. that. Yeah, I need. We need to remember here what what, what is what is the situation of the season. Um, I think it's pretty normal that uh, that now we are we are playing like that because uh, um, basically we have people, and uh, I mean probably 80% of the whole roster uh, that uh, is playing uh, each three days uh, since uh, three months. I mean Barella probably is not getting a decent rest since one year and a half now. Um, So I I I think that at, at some point at some point Conte was uh, with the shoulder on the on the wall and uh, just go with uh, uh just go with the style of play that he knows more and to make this compromise right so i need results right now the team is practically dead because we have we have a lot of people that need really need to rest uh no more depth in the team because of uh because of uh, uh other issues uh, like Pesino, uh, which is injured and Angolan, which is practically out of the team uh, in, but he, t- he takes the wages actually he takes the wages but he's out of the team <laughs> and, and it's, it's a case uh, something like that. Uh, Pinamonti is out since uh, uh, one month and a half and is basically the first striker and he had like 10 minutes in all the season with this uh, with this team. so I think that uh, it's a compromise right now and uh, I think that uh, that Conte chose to restore the balance into this team and this was successful. And uh, sacrifice uh, a bit of uh, the a, a bit of uh, offensive production. Uh, it's a compromise, but uh, for the moment, it's successful. I don't think that uh, we're going to see this kind of team even in the in the next month. I mean, I, I feel a little bit like Mo by by doing this, but I really believe this. Um, I feel like Mr. Positivity, but I really believe that uh, this is not the the version of Inter that is reliable. For all the season, I think that's. Uh, I think that Inter should uh, go ahead with the gear, like in February, March, uh, and show something different. Of course, because otherwise, I agree with you. We cannot win the league. We cannot. You cannot win the league with uh, with an attitude like that. But uh, for the time being, I think that's. Uh, I think that's. It's pretty normal to to see a team a team like this. What is uh, probably not so normal, or probably it is, but uh, we're we're not uh, used to that. Is that uh, uh, playing like this, uh, we get results. I mean, I remember yeah. a lot of games yeah. play a little bit better, uh, even in the Champions League. Like uh, a couple of games was played better than this, uh, than this uh, last games, uh, but uh, the victory one uh, wasn't there. Uh, so I think that uh, I agree with uh, um, I, I agree when the, when you say uh, just keep the three points, uh, run fast, and uh, and don't look behind. And I think. That's that's what that's what I'm doing. This uh, uh, these points are important uh, to win the league because uh, you are achieving this these points uh, while you are not prepared to do that, and uh, this is very important uh, when you uh, when you look at the perspective of thirty eight uh, games.
0: For sure, um, one before we quickly move on, uh, we we interplay uh, Hellas Verona, Hellas Verona that I'm very impressed with. Uh, Ivan Juric, I think, has done an absolutely fantastic job these past two years at Hellas, um, made turn transforming them without having any, you know, that much quality to work with, um, transforming them, especially this season, uh, into into a very solid Serie A team, um, and who are really difficult to break down, and a team that Inter usually struggle against. Um, without going too too much into it, um, what are we thinking? I think that it's going to be a draw. I don't see Inter winning this game. I think it's going to be stay at six six wins and a draw because seven win because also because Inter have this incredible habit of destroying you know whenever we play before Christmas for the past ten years. Uh, it's it's been the nightmare before Christmas, um, and I, I don't know. I, I I don't have a good feeling I have uh, about this at all. Um, uh, what, what do you think, Will?
3: Yeah, I agree. I think it would draw. I don't think a draw is necessarily a disastrous result, given that we have just won these six games in a row. And because if you look at Hellas' form this season, they are the they are the Amazza Grandi of this this season. You know, They've drawn with Juventus, they've drawn with Milan, they've drawn with Roma. Obviously, that, that became a win because of the Roma's clerical, but on the pitch they drew with Roma. <laughs> um, and they, they've beaten Lazio Atalanta away from home. So they haven't actually lost against any of the big teams they've played this season. Um, second best defence behind Juventus, Marco Silvestri, who I know you're a big fan of, is on fire at the moment in goal. Um, They have got a lot of uh, absentees up front. I think Dikarmini, Favili and Kalinic are all out injured. So they're going to be a bit um, short of options, just like we are up front. Um, But yeah, they're very difficult to break down. They've got this guy, Adrian Tamezer, who nobody really heard of, who's been a bit of a revelation the last couple of weeks in midfield. They've got, I've, I noticed that Verona have the, you said they're difficult to break down. They've got the lowest goals per game record in Serie A this season. I, their games are the ones with the fewest goals in them. Out of all the 20 clubs in Serie A, only 2.23. So I don't think it'll be a goal fest for all, the, all those reasons. And yes, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if it's a draw. I, I think it would be a really impressive achievement to get a seventh win here. I mean, Conte pretty much said it himself on Sunday. He was really pushing on this sort of um, this, uh, this theory about inter being tired. He said, we had a, we've had this block of 10 games and we just need to grit our teeth and, and produce one final push to get us over the line to Christmas. And then, reset and hopefully find some energy again so you know if it's another sort of awful turgid one nil win that that would do me just fine oh i don't care don't get me wrong i could not care less how inter
0: win how it looks i mean as when i say it's provincial i'm not putting any moral value in that i don't care about that i just want them to win Uh, yeah i
3: well yeah i i I agree to conclude i think it's most likely to be a draw possibly one one Mm.
0: Well, I, I'm thinking 1-1 one, one as well. I think Zaccani is bound to score uh, and and Lukaku will get one as
3: well. That's exactly what I've got written down here. <laughs> yeah. Zaccagni and Lukaku.
0: <laughs> what about you, Fulvio? Where where are you? <sighs>
2: yeah, basically I have your same opinion. I, I figure out a draw, but uh, I figure out a goalless draw. So, 0-0. Ah. <laughs>
0: Even better. <laughs>
2: Or uh, probably, probably one 0 one nil with a with a penalty or something yeah. like that. Uh, at least that's that is uh, what I wish. But what I realistically foresee is a uh, goalless draw.
0: Mm. I, I I just remember Roberto Mancini a few years back when Inter were top of the league and then lost against Lazio just before Christmas. And he went out and said, we've ruined Christmas for ourselves.
3: <laughs> Inter- <laughs> we the- ruined, we ruined Christmas in this exact stadium two years ago against Kievo. I heard I, that. I really hated that one. Uh, yeah. but, uh, in the last but, minute.
1: Yeah.
2: But guys, be, be aware that uh, this year, the the situation uh, is the same, but for uh, for AC Milan for Milan, because Milan yeah. is playing against Lazio in San Siro in the match before Christmas as it's top of the league. So, yeah. Why they history could not repeat on the other side of yeah, Milan. But
3: they, don't, they, they don't have Felipe Melo starting in midfield <laughs> to give away a Kung fu kick
4: penalty. So.
0: I was there at the stadium. I remember you, oh I, God. I was there. And when he did that, everyone around me said, what the F is Felipe Melo doing? Like that was the genuine consensus. Everyone was,
3: what is wrong with him? he,
4: Definitely he yeah. surely
3: and Lazio.
2: Yeah. And we yeah. yeah, and we can we can see the goal uh, uh, to Candreva, prime yeah, Candreva, from
3: a
0: short corner. Candreva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that Candreva, and then Mancini's. We've ruined Christmas for ourselves. Um, right? What about you, Mike? What What do you think's gonna happen? What's your prediction?
1: I thought I was gonna go off the board with a draw, but since everyone's taken that, I'm not going to now. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I just looked. You know, I've watched Venona. I think once or twice this year. I am, I was impressed. Um, I was not. I did not, was not aware about the, the those r- recent injuries that uh, I think Will mentioned. Um, but I will say I looked at Verona's last seven games. Each of those seven games have ended with two or three goals in them. So that would only mean to me a 1-1 draw, which you guys have already selected, so I'm not going to pick that. So the other option is to pick a 2-1 victory. So that's what I'm going with, 2-1 victory. And we will get a substitute winner from D'Ambrosio. Mm-hmm.
0: Of course, on the in the far post and a yes, corner, and a
1: corner. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like
0: that. Right. Be, I wanted to. I wanted to touch a little bit. I mean, we are recording. This is this is the last episode we're recording before Christmas. And and I was thinking if we could wish, you know, freely, uh, going into the mercato in January, one player, uh, w- w- one player or or one player you want Inter signed or one player you want Inter to leave. Basically, one thing you want to happen in the January mercato. And I'm going to start with you, Fulvio
2: wow I, I i wasn't prepared for this uh <laughs> well if i can uh, if i can dream everything uh probably i think that's uh that's uh under the christmas tree i would like to find uh, the tiny golo from chelsea that's probably the that's that's not my favorite player but it's probably Conte's favorite player it's really <laughs> yes, relevant it where's, yeah. where's
3: <laughs> mike piolucci when we need him he was blasting this deal earlier in the season wasn't he yeah yeah, yeah. So, Will, what about you? Well, I'm torn between two. But because I asked Patrick about the the striker situation, I will I will pray for Olivier Giroud under the Christmas tree because I I, I don't really want him to leave Chelsea because they happen to be my other team. But if I'm got if I've got an Inter hat on, um, I think he would be perfect. I think while we would we could do with a midfielder. I think that could that would be um, a survivable problem if Stefan Orsensi were to be were to become a professional footballer again. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed for, for him to stay fit now from now on because he's been pretty good in the yeah. last couple of games. So I think the more pressing issue in terms of something that we need but don't have is is a, is a backup striker. And I think Giroud would allow Conte to, to rotate Lukaku and, and not have to change his style of play too much. Obviously, no two players are the same, but generally speaking, he Giroud could do a similar uh, similar kind of work to Lukaku. So it's um, not it's not the... It's not the the most sort of outlandish dream but because obviously we were close to him last year but I think that's my that's my wish for uh, Mr Babbo sure. Natale. <laughs>
2: Greg, 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 Greg Will. and mark my words mark my words Stefano Sensi if he managed to become a professional football player like Will was saying is the key to win the Scudetto mark Absolutely. my words. Absolutely,
0: couldn't agree with you more. And the issue is the fitness. That's that's yeah, the problem. He's enters Ming vase. That's the thing. He breaks really easily, but he's really pretty to look at. Um, Mike,
1: what? Well, what what's my your Christmas, Christ- my Christmas gift is now made public because my Christmas gift that I've always wanted was for Stefano Sensi to play seventy minutes again in a <laughs> in a match. And we're getting closer. We're getting closer. But I'm hoping that in January he's able to play. 65 minutes, 70 minutes, or who knows, maybe even 80. Just, I want him to be healthy. I don't care what it takes. I know he hasn't played that much this year. And I know that the way Inter looked last year in the first two months, that was, he was an incredible player. He was the best player in Serie A those first two months. And Mm. then he fell off the face of the earth. So Mm. this Christmas, I want to see Stefano Sensi, return to his form from 2019 in August and September. Mm.
0: I I'd love to see that too. Um I have I have like a two thing if if, if we're talking like if if we if we're allowed to dream like fantasy uh, it's Manuel Locatelli. I absolutely love him and I think he would do he has a role to play in this in this inter midfield. But that's not going to happen. It's completely unrealistic. My sec uh, my my realistic uh I think, which is which is doable, is Papu Gomez. I want to see Papu Gomez play for Inter. Uh, that is a signing that would give Inter so many dimensions. It would give Conte a lot of options. Uh, in games, ahead of games. Uh, you could play a 3-4-3 with him, a 3-4-2-1 with him. You can play so many different ways with him. Um and and I think even in a 3-5-2 with him as one of the two strikers dropping deep and linking up and, and allowing for runs from midfield. Papo Gomez is is absolutely my my dream. Uh, I and, you and, and know what's then what's going to s- happen
3: instead? Well, we're going to get Graziano Pellè. I mean, I'm kind no, of I was sure. thinking. I was thinking more in terms of Papo. Oh, he's going he'll, to Milan. He'll come There's- to me. Yeah, he'll yeah. come to Milan, but he won't yeah. come. no, to, no, he's to going this,
0: to the Milan. right side. Of... Yeah, yeah, he's going to Milan. <laughs> I mean, I understand that. I mean, I'm used, I'm used to this. I think we're gonna get Graziano Pellè. They're gonna get a uh, Papu Gomez, uh, and, 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 and then and, the, and then whatever happens happens, and then we'll 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 have to all. Some people will have to pretend they're shocked that Inter didn't win the Scudetto. But um, no, it's it's. Uh, I, I I think Papu Gomez, just because of his versatility, and I think what he offers. One thing that we've noticed about Inter under Conte, and I agree with Conte on this, he cannot play with a 3-4-1-2. It doesn't work. His system doesn't work with these players. You can drive a tank through Inter's central midfield when you play like that. So that that's out of the, you know, that 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 idea is scrapped. He needs to have three central midfielders for there to be balance. However, when you have Papu as one of the two strikers, Essentially it becomes three, five, one, one, but not really, because Papu Gomez roams around, he moves around so much, he's so technically gifted. His vision, his craft, his passing, his crossing, he can do so many things. Um, and that games against Spezia, for example, because like you know, like we always said, playing playing Milan, playing Juve, playing Lazio, playing Spezia, playing Crotone, each one of these games is worth three points. They're worth exactly as much. And if you want to in teams when they line up against Inter the way that Spezia did and they were really good defensively you need to have movement from your top two strikers Romelu Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez are give you kind of movement but they don't give you the kind of movement you need and they lack the qualities to drop down deep and link up uh, the way that Papu Gómez does and that's why i think that if Inter sign Papu Gómez they are contenders to win the scudetto without a doubt uh, although i think Juve are still Miles ahead of everyone else, but the, 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 I'm, then I won't be worried about finishing top four. But uh, so yeah, no, Papo Gomez is, is, is my is my is my absolute dream this 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 Christmas.
3: Can we get a Papo dance video from you?
0: <laughs> when hell freezes over. <laughs> Tried. Well, no, no, no. I'll tell you what. I'll do it if Fulvio does it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Nemo, sorry, can repeat the question, please? I, I said I'll do a video of the Papu Gomez Baila como el Papu dance if you do it as well. <laughs> if we sign Papu.
1: We... <laughs> no,
2: no, no. I have I have bad experiences with art uh, on the on the social. Media. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> For sure, right.
0: Um, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticise someone or something heavily in the world of football. Starting with the negativity with this week's modge, which we presented by Mr. Fulvio Santucci.
2: So when uh, i'm assigned to this part of the show i always uh, take you to the unbelievable stories uh, of uh, italian uh, uh, minor football and this guys is one of these days so uh, today today i want to tell you the story of uh, a match that uh, it's 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 incredible that uh, it was played uh, and was played yesterday so on sunday uh, and it was played in the third tier of italian football so not the sixth or the seventh or the eighth tier, but the third tier. So, professionalist people, right? The match is Casertana-Viterpese, uh, two teams of the center of and south, southern Italy, basically. So, what happened? Um, it happened that uh, the, the, home, uh, the home team uh, at some point uh, during the, the, last, uh, the last ten days uh, discovered to have uh, a great uh, COVID cluster into the, into the team. And uh, w- they were forced to, um, uh, to request the postponing of the match of the last week. And uh, they obtained that because of, there's a rule in the, uh, into the third tier that allows you to spend one game, uh, one postponed game, if you have this, uh, this kind of uh, um, emergency into your team. Um, but uh, they uh, realized uh, uh, in, the, um, in the early weekend that uh, they, could, they, they, did, they did not solve the situation before the match against Peter Beze, uh, so basically they ca- they they have a uh, roster of 28 players and they came out with 15 positives, uh, tested positive to the COVID. Um, wow. So basically, 13 player uh, at disposal. Uh, and to the rules, uh, the current rules of the third tier on this uh, on this protocol are the, the same of UEFA. So if you have the 13 player that uh, are able to play, the match should be played. Um, so Casertana asked uh, the opponent team, Viterbese, to postpone the match, uh, but they refused. They refused, they said, that it's not up to us to decide. We, we, are, we are in shape to play the match, so we're going to play the match. It's not up to us to decide. And uh, basically, on Sunday, uh, they understood that uh, they have uh, also players with sus- suspect symptoms of COVID, uh, COVID. So further players, right? Like six or seven. And uh, they ask uh, at least to the to the league. They ask at least to have an emergency control uh, by the um, uh, by the medical institution uh, to uh, to test to test the players and uh, give the results about the positivity of COVID because uh, that would rule out rule out the match because uh, uh, they were not available to do mm-hmm. that. Uh, so they ca- a lot of these players. I mean, three or four these players uh, that that not left at disposal could not play because they have fever. Uh, uh above uh, the quote co- the quota of uh, thirty seven point five and uh, another three players were uh, behind uh, sorry uh, below this quote but uh, were well, had fever basically so they, they, they were suspect of COVID. so basically to make a long story short the match became um, the match became uh, difficult to to start uh, and uh, the start uh, was postponed of one hour and there were uh, literally, the medical institution on the field uh, to test the players on the on <laughs> the field, on the stadium, right? And uh, it it ended up uh, and Casertana ended up with nine players, so they made a list, uh. an official list with nine players, it was published on the social. If you if you wanna go uh, uh. check, nine players without the bench, right? So all nine players, <laughs> one components were complete, eleven players plus eight or nine players um, into the bench. Of course, Casertana lost the match. Like uh, like zero three, and there was uh, a lot of uh, discussion about that. Uh, and uh, the the league uh, basically didn't take any responsibility because uh, they say we apply the we apply the um, the wafer wafer protocol, and uh, it, it, it probably the team uh, the opponent team should have uh, agreed to not play. But uh, the op- the president, the chairman of the opponent team, just say I, I already spent two millions for came playing Caserta, so I cannot. I cannot pass this. I cannot pass. I cannot avoid. I cannot skip this because uh, I I end up with losing two millions about about this. Uh, yeah. Uh. So basically, yeah. Basically, it's a huge mess. But uh, it happens in the third year of football, and uh, yeah, it's it's not happening into into you know uh, with players of eight or nine years old. It's happening in the third year of football. So our match televised and sold to the to the to the also to the abroad broadcaster um, <laughs> and. Uh, it, it ended up with nine against uh, against eleven match, uh, and uh, the worst part is that uh, nobody's taking responsibility of that. But uh, and this is the the last but the best part. Uh, I mean, not the best, of course, but <laughs> the, the best, of course, uh, is that uh, the the three players uh, that play into into the into the match um, that was were suspect of COVID, uh, but uh, could not be uh, ruled out, uh, or at least it, it's in, not by the law. You cannot rule out mm. because we're... Uh, below the quota of 20, uh, 37.5 fever, were tested positive to the COVID.
0: Right? Oh my so God!
2: Bas- uh, so basically, Casertana played a, a match against Peter Beze. So nine against eleven. So 20 players on the pitch, then the players in the bench, then the referees, then all the stuff, all the stuff, and the, all the families involved on that. So basically, they play in the cluster because there were two positive uh, players on the field for uh, for Casertana. So probably this story is not finished yet. But uh, you know, it's it's unbelievable. But believe me, this thing in the third tier of Italian football just keeps happening and happening and happening and happening. And, happening, and it happened yesterday. The match was Casertana Viterbese. Just Google it if you are if you wow. if you're confident with Italian to uh, to know something more. That's of course and obviously budget of the week.
0: What a mess! Um, <laughs> right. Let's move on to something much more positive. This week's Moratti, which will be presented by Mr. William Beckman he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises people sometimes with his ideas. Not easy to find one person of this, <laughs> call this.
3: Yeah, my morality is very simple. Um, obviously, this is a rather scary and disorienting time for most of us, uh, no matter where we're living at the moment. Uh, here in the UK, we had... Uh, Christmas effectively cancelled by our prime minister at the weekend uh, telling us that we couldn't mix with um, with other members of other households. If you live in uh, certain parts of the country, uh, cases are rising around the country. Um, lots of travel bans are starting to reappear. It all sort of feels like we're sort of sliding back towards March. And, you know, th- there's not a lot really to hang on to at the moment in terms of positivity. And so I'm going to select the one thing that's keeping me um, happy and uh, um, sort of vaguely sane um, as uh, as we sort of trudge towards the end of this awful year and that is football because it's on every minute of every day of every week of every month <laughs> at the moment in every country in every division there's there's football everywhere because of you know the the, the, the compressed calendar is a problem in terms of you know, the tiredness that we spoke about earlier, that the games are not always great because teams are out on their feet. Everyone's injured. Um, people are suspended and, you know, everything is a bit boring, but it's still football. And mm. it, it's it's a nice little constant um, for everyone who's stuck at home at the moment. Um, you know, I've got a game on at the moment in the Premier League, Chelsea West Ham, as we're recording this podcast. There was one before that. There'll be games tomorrow in Serie A. Tomorrow's Tuesday, obviously. We're back into a midweek round. There'll be games all the way through January. And um, yeah, I just sport is is something that we love to get angry about, but it's 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 something that's sort of keeping most of us afloat at the moment. So uh, I, mm. I think that's the the obvious the obvious choice. I think as we head into Christmas. So if you're feeling down, just watch, you know, Spezia Genoa or some or you know something really niche, and uh, everything will be will be fine again
0: course, they will be watching Spezia Genoa to see Davide Ballardini coming back and making his return to Genoa, <laughs> which he which he always does. That,
3: that, that was that was the, the tweet of the week. The weekend was uh, was someone who tweeted a picture of him and said, "It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas." Exactly, <laughs> it's the time Every... of year when he comes to Genoa. <laughs> <laughs> by, by,
2: by, the, by the way, by the way, Spezia Genoa is a derby. I don't know if you know about that, yeah, but
3: no, Spezia, no, absolutely. Spezia,
2: so Spezia friends with Sampdoria, so it's a derby against Genoa. Mm-hmm
0: and also Raj i match. mean we we all know that i mean it, it is that this time of the year because everybody knows that in the beginning of the season, Preziosi starts with one coach. Then in November, December, it's Ballardini. Then in February, March, it's usually time for Ivan Juric. And then he gets sacked three weeks later and it's Ballardini back again until the end of the season. So I'd say we we're right on time. Although this time it won't be Ivan Juric because he's doing great work over at Hellas Verona. Um, right, let's uh, let's move on to something much more comical. This week's Frog, which will be presented by Mr. Michael Gall.
2: eclamoroso <laughs>
1: This week's frog comes from the match between Juventus and Atalanta. On Wednesday, Yes. Alvaro Morata okay, is on a breakaway going towards the goal. Okay. Instead of taking a shot, now keep in mind, there's a possibility that could have been offside later, but that's not the point here. He's got a breakaway instead. Instead, he decides to pass the ball. Okay, so he makes a terrible error instead of shooting. Okay, he's bailed out. The ball comes back to him. He's now got an open goal. What he decides to do is backheel the ball, and he shanks it and goes out for a goal kick. It was it reminded me of Balotelli with Manchester City, like. Seven eight years ago, if you guys remember that, when he tried that stupid back heel when he was playing in uh, North America in some some uh, in, uh, like an August league, and it just was such an embarrassing moment. And it's funny because he did not have to do this. He had an open net. The goalkeeper was not even close to being like near him. He it was it was a goal, and he decided to do some cheeky, stupid back heel, and it. You know, it was embarrassing and, you know, that cost them the three points because they end up drawing the game. So Alvaro Morata is our clear cut draw <laughs> of the week for that I terrible
0: error. I still can't believe what I saw. Like, it was so bizarre. It was weird. It was so weird. I, I still don't get what happened. The whole The whole thing, the whole sequence was just weird um so if you haven't seen that make sure to check it out because because it's like it really is the kind of point where it's like you don't even laugh because you're just the awkwardness of all of it is just so strong and intense right that's all we have time for this
3: week i'd like to thank patrick kendrick i'd like to thank you will thank you Nima. merry christmas everyone and we'll see you in 2021 and let's hope that's much less nasty although it probably won't be (laughs) but we'll be there You know, (laughs) we will always be there
2: throughout thick and thin.
0: Yes. Mr. Fulvio Santucci.
2: Thank you, Nima. Thank you, guys. Wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And this time I mean it.
1: Normally Mm. I don't mean it this time I mean it. (laughs)
0: Brilliant. Um,
1: And Mr. Michael Gallo. Thanks for having me, guys. Buon Natale and buon anno.
0: Yes, for sure. Very Uh, good. Very good. And until next uh, next year, uh, I'm your host, Nima Tavali Rutsari, wishing you all three points, a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and sempre e solo forza.